I feel like you guys now know way too much about me. It's kind of <laughs> cry at Rudy movies, like, okay. Um, hey, I just want to start off, I want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much for being here, fellas at RCMU. I'm glad you're here. Um, and just so you know, I've actually been kind of going through a tr- transition here, even on staff, where I would say for the last, I don't know, six months, year or two, um, to where now I am going to be starting uh, the East Campus here, we'll start in January, and so I'll be transitioning into that coming to fall and putting all my focus into that. I've been the student pastor here for the last seven years, and so in the midst of that, God has been teaching me a lot of things because you know this, anytime you transition in life, it's difficult. Um, and so the one thing that God's really kind of been pushing in on me is this statement, God is trustworthy because of his forgiving heart. And so I want to start off with a story to reveal to you how much I lack trust in people and even in God sometimes. So it goes all the way back to when I was seven years old. And many of you will probably be able to relate with this story because when all of us are young, we have this natural fear of the doctors or dentists, okay? And so I'm seven and it's Christmas time and My dad and I, we walked out to uh, get some firewood because it was snowing, but it's Christmas time. All the family's in town. Love it because that means a lot of gifts, a lot of presents. That's all I could think about at seven. Um, That's what I was excited about. And so I get out there and I'm helping. I think I put like one log, helped him. I'm like, hey, here you go, dad. And then I ran back inside because it got too cold. Um, And while I'm running back inside, I go up on the deck, slip, and face plant. Now, If you've ever gone up close to me, most people will notice right away I have a scar right underneath my chin. The reason it sticks out is because I have some facial hair and there's one area underneath my chin where it doesn't grow because of the scar. So everyone's like, hey, what happened? And I have to start off with, well, I face planted and it was awesome. But in the moment, I lift up my head and I notice I've got a lot of blood right on my hand, because I just touched my chin. So I'm freaking out, crying, all those kind of things. And eventually, grandma takes me, mom, dad, they're all kind of helping me, and they're trying to look at it, and then that moment happens, where they all kind of look at each other. Going to be like, who's going to tell them? And finally, my dad goes, "Uh, son, we're going to need to take you to the hospital. As soon as those words were said, I freaked out. Sad part was my grandma was holding me. I feel bad about it to this day because I started kicking and punching and poor grandma just got hit with a flurry of punches, kicks, whatever the case it was. And the whole time that we're driving to the hospital, freaking out because my understanding of going to the doctors was this, means you're probably going to get shot, someone's going to poke you with a needle, and then there's this other thought, hey, my mom and dad said I'm getting stitches, what is that? That sounds like more needles. Like, I'm not a big fan of this. And so we get there, and I'm fighting it the whole time. We get to the doctors, and they are, like, my dad is holding me down, and my mom's trying to get my legs. I'm still fighting, and then eventually they pull out the gas mask and just put it right on my face. I'm out. Now I wake up, and all of a sudden I see these stitches right here, and I was like, hey, that wasn't too painful because I didn't feel a thing. (laughs) And so most of us in here, we probably have some story about like going to the doctor's office, especially when we were young, 
And I don't blame them because I have a two-year-old daughter and a two-month-old. Every time we take them to the doctor's office, it's like, hey, it's time for their shots. I'm like, when is it not time for their shots? When do we get past this? Because it's a fight getting them in there. But then as you get older, you start to kind of like, okay, a little trust in the doctors, a little trust in the dentist. Um, although the dentist, I have to pause there a little bit. They always walk in there like, hey, make sure you don't put like sharp objects in your mouth. The whole time you're there, there is a massive hook in your mouth cleaning your teeth. Just like, wait a minute. Um, but as I got older, I started to develop some trust in it. But college, I uh, had an injury <laughs> on my knee. I was playing basketball. Someone ran into my knee. I tried to stand back up thinking it was okay, totally fell down. So I was like, something's messed up. And so I'm trying to like scoot off the court. Hey, sub, I can't move. Um, and so I'm calling like, hey, I need some help. And so the pre-med major comes over and is like kind of doing this number to my knee. And he's like, oh, you know what? I think you just got a knee sprain. You know, relax it for a couple weeks and you'll be good. For some reason, I trusted that guy really well. I just thought, you know what? He's studying it. He probably knows what he's doing. Yeah, that yeah, was a good, good call on that one. So I go back to my room next two weeks. I'm taking it easy. After that, I was like, you know, I can walk and feel pretty good. And, um, and I started getting back into sports. As soon as I start playing sports, all of a sudden I would have this moment where I would just collapse because my knee would give out. I'm like, that is just weird. And if you were playing with me, like playing racquetball or anything, all of a sudden I'd just fall over and everybody would be like, you okay? Like, what happened? No big deal. Just my knee giving out. I'll be, let me get back up. I'll be fine. And so it's in my mind, I'm going, all right, I think I'm going to have to go to the doctors. Like, I've got to get this checked out. And so spring break comes. This has now been three months. Really trusted that pre-med major, all right? Three months, I go to the doctor's office, and in my mind, there's this natural fear of, like, what are they going to say? What's the rehab going to be? And I'm kind of nervous about it. I think many of us in here have probably had that moment, especially even as older we get into adults, and... We go, okay, man, what is the doctor going to say? Eventually, I find out I tore my ACL. Totally jacked it up, everything. They're like, you kept playing on this? I was like, hey, the pre-med major. (laughs) (laughs) He said it, you know. Um, And in that moment, I realized, because I went through the surgery, and all of a sudden, everything's great. Like, since college, I have not had an issue with the knee. And I tell you this, I trust that doctor a lot now. Any knee problems I have, I'm like, I'm going to that guy. Not going to the pre-med major. Tell you that right now. (laughs) But it is funny to me how we lack trust in so many things. Many of you in here have probably gone to the doctor's office. I remind you, the doctor has studied this for many years. Or if even if it's a special thing, like this is all they focus on. And they tell you something, they give you the diagnosis, and you go, nope, you're wrong. I know my body better than you. It's funny how we kind of play this game. Now, here's the interesting part, though. The one thing I have been learning about trust, when healing happens in our lives, we do naturally build a foundation of trust, just like I had with that doctor who fixed my knee. But I'll give you kind of a more real-life example. Um, I've been a student pastor for a long time, so I always see students going through some big moments. And so for many of you, go back to your... Teenage days. Some of you in here, if you are teenagers, you're like, sweet, I'm already there. Um, 
And remember the time that you messed up and you had to tell your mom and dad about it. Maybe whether it's you lied, you cheated, you did something that you knew hurt your mom and dad, you had messed up big time, and then that fear that sets in of like, oh man, I've gotta go tell them. Eventually you get up get enough courage, because even as a student pastor, I'm always encouraging students, like, hey, you need to tell your mom and dad. They need to know this. And so the amazing part to me is these students have the ability, the courage, to go and talk to their parents, and they're scared to death of it, and parents hear me on this, and as a parent myself, I need to work on this. How we just interact in that moment, our reaction in that moment, is so huge. Because if we overreact, if we freak out, this student who is trying to be vulnerable with you, trying to be open with you, all of a sudden goes, oh man, I screwed things up. Oh man, my parents are so mad. I'll never do that again. But if you're willing to have kind of this forgiving heart and saying, hey, I hear you. Know this, I love you. And I forgive you, but we're gonna need to walk this out. Having that calm Spirit, and being willing to help them walk this healing out with them, it's amazing how students will then go, wow, mom and dad, thank you so much for walking that out. I'll come to you with everything. And this is not only true with parents and kids, this is true in marriage, this is true in friendships, it's true in so many places. When we find healing in our lives, that naturally builds a foundation of trust. And so let's turn this and talk about God for a little bit. So God, I believe, is naturally trustworthy. He's trustworthy for many reasons, but we also know something about God is he's got this forgiving heart. He was willing to send his son to pay for all of our sins, all of our our mistakes, and say, let's build this relationship again. Even to the point to where we just sang a song, our hope is in you, God, recognizing, God, our healing is in you. That's what God claims to be. He says, I will help you through that. I will bring healing into your life. No matter what you're going through, relationships are going bad, circumstances are going bad, life is just going horrible, God is saying, if you're willing to walk out this with me, I will show you how trustworthy I am. Let's be honest, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, But if we're honest, I think many of us struggle to trust God, to find him trustworthy. Because I think some of us are scared, what is God gonna ask me to do? What is God gonna tell me? Similar fears that we have even just with people, we have with God. So then the question becomes, why do we not find God trustworthy? I mean, you guys have probably been to church, you've heard about God, you've heard about the good things how good he is, why do we not trust him? I think the first thing is this. We like our own healing process. We like to do it ourselves. And I think just based on life, we've tried trusting other people, we've tried doing it this way, and we got hurt because of it. So we're like, well, no, 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 I'll just do it myself. But I think the danger in that is that you will always miss out on relationships going deeper and going stronger. Because here's what I know, forgiveness is the beginning of trusting God. And you can put in there, forgiveness is the beginning of trusting your spouse. Forgiveness is the beginning of trusting your kid. All those things. 
But God was the one that established it because put a pause on this a little bit and think about this. God was the one that first started forgiveness. He chased after us and said, I want to fix this relationship that's been broken. We were the ones that broke it. Our mistakes, our sins. Now you can't just blame Adam and Eve like it's their fault. No, any of us in here who have messed up, we own that. We say, God, sorry. But God was the one that first said, I am willing to forgive you. And it's a powerful moment when you recognize that. That this God of the universe, God that is so powerful, is willing to forgive all of us. And it's the beginning of trust, this relationship that changes everything. And it's amazing to me, I see it every year at camp. Just got back from camp, took a bunch of students to camp, and I guarantee you it's about the third day when everything starts to change. First couple days, because the way we do camp, we've got their, like, the big like, you know, service, and then right after that, you've got small group time. And small group time, <laughs> every student initially has just kind of got their guard up, like, who is this group? Just like all of you do in here, all right? Who is this guy? And so they're kind of listening. The first couple days, they're kind of like, all right, whatever. This group leader seems a little weird. They talk all the time. Um, it's kind of awkward. But then something happens. The message or the group leader asks the right question, whatever it is, and all of a sudden, one student's willing to be vulnerable. Tell them what's going on in their lives. And then you see all the people around start sharing. Tears are coming down. All of it. And it's amazing to see it. And all of a sudden, you see this group just naturally start to trust each other. All because they were willing to be vulnerable and they were willing to trust and forgive. It's amazing to me how forgiveness is connected with trust. And the fascinating part is Jesus talked about this in a parable. And the parable has three characters. First one is the master, next one is the servant, and then this last character is the servant to the first servant, okay? Now that sounds a little confusing, but I'll walk it out here pretty soon. But here's what you need to do with parables. Take a look at the story and be like, okay, Jesus, when you're sharing this, what, who are the real characters in this story? How does this relate to our lives? So let me help you. As I read this, here's what you need to know. The master represents God. The first servant, rep- servant represents you and, or me. And then the last one represents someone you need to forgive. So it starts off with this first servant going, finding out that the master, he has this huge debt, $1 million debt, all right? Master calls him in and, hey, it's time to pay up. I think all of us in here would be very scared if someone had to, I gotta pay up on my million dollar debt. Like, we would be freaking out. And so you catch this, Matthew 18, 26 through 27, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave him his debt. Now, when you first hear that, you're like, oh, okay, that's nice. But I want us to kind of, I remind you, remember, the master is God, and we are that first servant. Our debt to God is huge. All the sin in our lives, all the mess, and God was willing to forgive all of that. No one could put a price on that. Because some of us in here, all of us in here, we have had some huge mistakes. 
We've done some things really bad. And on top of that, some of us have dealt with people hurting us. And God's saying, I will forgive all of that. And God, it's amazing how he's able to do this. He's always in this state of forgiveness. It's not like he waits for us to mess up. He's always forgiving, always willing to forgive. Doesn't wait for circumstances or first like, oh, you messed up, okay, now I need to forgive. No, he's always like, let you know I have a forgiving heart. But here comes the second part of why we struggle to trust God. We hate forgiving. Many of you in here, like you kinda, if you're honest, you kinda chuckle and be like, yep. I hate it. Down, per, like, I hate forgiving people. I know it's good. I know I've learned it as, you know, growing up in church and as a pastor, I want to tell you, hey, you got to forgive. Okay, but do you know how much that person hurt me? Because I have some other thoughts in regards to instead of forgive, like, hey, I'd like to punch the kid in the face. Like, that's what I'd like to do. But we don't like to. And I'll give you just an example in my life, and this is where God has really been pressing in on me. Um, you know, I had a friend all the way through high school and college, and we graduated, we were gonna go be pastors, and it turns out that we kind of landed jobs like 30, 40 minutes away from each other. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm like, man, I'm actually gonna have somebody that I know already going out here to Rapid City. This will be great, this will be awesome. And it did go great. First six months, awesome. Year, great. Had a friend, had a buddy now that we were doing ministry together with. And so... Eventually, though, things started kind of changing in his life, started falling apart. His marriage started to hit a rough spot. And eventually, it got so bad that, like, and I'm walking this out with him, but it got really nasty. And so I'm helping him through it, and eventually, I get a call one day, and I will never forget this moment, called me and said, hey, man, I'm leaving. And initially, I'm like, say, what? What do you mean you're leaving? And in the back of my mind, like, I understood it. Like, he was going through a lot of things with, you know, in his life, and I can understand wanting to go back home. But the part that frustrated me, the part that hurt, he literally just called me on the phone, and he was leaving in the next 30 minutes. This guy I had built a relationship with for 10, 12 years, not even a sit-down conversation, not anything, just a phone call, and gone. Hardest part was we never really talked from that point on, never heard from him. I sat there and I was like, God, I was, I was very angry. I wanted to throw the phone. I was just angry. I was like, why is, what is happening right now? And the amazing part to me is as I walked this out, I could tell I tried to just push it down and forget about it but it never worked. It kept coming back up in just the easiest parts of life. Just, it would trigger something or something would happen and I would get quickly angered or whatever the case may be and I'm sitting here going, why am I acting like this? What is happening? I mean, even Tina or my friend would look at me and be like, are you okay? Like, what, what is going on? And so it's fascinating, when you go back to the parable, this guy just got forgiven a huge debt. Huge debt. Watch what he does. 
Matthew 18, 28 through 30, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. God is kind of showing us the difference here. He had a million dollars, now he got a couple thousand. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servants fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, I wish some of us, I mean, not some of us, all of us could have been there when Jesus was telling that story because I think the crowd would have been like, man, that, why is the guy doing that? What a jerk, he just got forgiven this huge amount. Why, $2,000? Like, who cares? But I think all of us in here, if we were looking at that story and put the real characters in there, I think many of us are guilty of that. God forgave us this huge debt, huge. But then we have someone in our life that we're not willing to forgive. Here's what you need to know. Satan's strongest weapon is when we don't forgive. Because it opens this door to bring all this nasty stuff in. Bitterness, resentment, anger. I would say even pride, thinking you're better than that person. It's Satan's strongest weapon. When we don't forgive, he now has this room in your heart to really start messing up your life. And I truly believe when we don't forgive, it's like we're hitting the self-destruct button in our lives. I saw it in my own life. When I wasn't willing to forgive the people who hurt me, I took it out on the people who I loved the most. It was messed up. Now, I have to pause here in a little bit because this self-destruct button, I don't know about you, but I get, I get very easily distracted. And all of us in here, maybe all of us, all I could think about when I was kind of putting this sermon together is like, man, there needs to be like this video, like movie, all I could think about was a movie where the self-destruction button was hit and just <laughs> explosion. So I found one. <laughs> I just wanna take a pause in the sermon right now and just, show you this video of just a huge explosion going on. It's from the dark night, okay? So if you would, just please watch this video. I think every sermon needs that. <laughs> but to bring it back, here's another reason why I wanted to see that. Is some of you in here, if you're honest, that's what your life looks like. Because of your, will your unwillingness to forgive someone. And your life is just falling apart 
it is exploding on so many levels. And so I want us to realize this is what forgiveness truly is. Forgiveness is releasing our hurt and trusting God. It's believing that God, I trust you, I believe you're trustworthy, and that in the midst of this hurt, I'm gonna let it go and give it to you. I'm gonna forgive this person. But here's some things you need to know, because I had to realize this. You know what forgiveness is not? Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Some of you are like, what? I, I know, I had to learn this the hard way. I go back to my friend. God kept pressing in and be like, Todd, you need to forgive. It's messing up your life. You keep getting angry. You're not letting this go. You're holding on to it too much. And so eventually I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What, I can't talk to him. I don't know I have his phone number. And then he's like, Facebook. And I was like, really, God? <laughs> Man. Because <laughs> we were friends on Facebook. So I get this message and I write a message to him. I just simply wrote, hey man, I hope you're doing well. You know this, I care about you, I love you, and I hope you know, we can talk about something. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh man, well okay, what, how did he respond to any of that? Reality is, he didn't respond. And the truth is, the reason I wrote that was not for my friend, it was for me. I needed to let go of that. Because the truth is, forgiveness, you may not find reconciliation. I mean, just to be brutally honest, some of you in here, you've been hurt, and then that person passed away. You're not going to get reconciliation there. But the one thing you can do, because God will keep pressing in and say, can you trust me on this? Is say, forgive them. Let go of that hurt. The other thing forgiveness is not, it's not this list of demands. It's like, I will forgive you as long as you do this, 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 and this. That's not forgiveness. And so remember, forgiveness is releasing our hurt and trusting God. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So you catch that, God says, get rid of all the nastiness. Get rid of the bitterness, get rid of the anger, and learn to have a kind heart. Learn to, let's learn to be like God in this and learn to be in a state of forgiving people. State of forgiveness. Because I truly believe this, forgiveness reveals who we trust. If we're willing to forgive and walk this out, I know it will be scary, but it reveals, God, I find you trustworthy. Because you were willing to forgive me, I must then in turn forgive other people. The reality is, is some of you in here, maybe you need to first walk out the forgiveness that God is offering you in order for you to understand how to forgive other people. But for some of you who have received that forgiveness, we really need to make sure that we're forgiving other people. To finish the parable, here's what happens. Matthew 18, 32 through 34 Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, let me pause there a little bit and go, remember who the characters are, the true characters are in this. God, you, 
and the person you need to forgive. Doesn't that seem a little intense for God? I don't know about you, I read that and I was like, okay, God, like, this is crazy. Like, is that how you work? Why, why so intense? I mean, even the rest of it, Matthew 18, 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I remember struggling with this verse so much, and I'm still kind of learning how to walk it out, but here's the part God's making. He says, listen, if you're not willing to own your forgiveness and really learn to trust me, then our relationship will always be difficult if you're not willing to forgive other people. Our relationship will always be stuck. And God is all about us growing learning to trust him and seeing how trustworthy he can be, learning how to have a forgiving heart because it's better than holding all this stuff in. So forgiveness reveals where our heart is truly at because it's either gonna be God, I truly believe in you or it's going to be God, I don't think you can handle this. God, I wanna be the judge. I wanna be the executioner. I wanna make sure this person pays. But I truly believe forgiveness reveals that we go, God, you're trustworthy. You're a better judge than I am. You're better at all this stuff. Help me walk out forgiveness. So then the question becomes, do you believe God is trustworthy? Because I believe forgiveness shows us how trustworthy God is. And one of the most powerful moments where I saw it recently was in Charleston, South Carolina. That church that had nine people killed in it. Horrible moment in our country. Scary. But everything goes to trial. They catch the killer, go into trial. And here's was the powerful moment that I saw. The killer standing there at trial. All the family members are there. And in South Carolina, they allow the families to talk to the guilty party before the trial begins. And so I want you to hear what they told him because it truly reveals how powerful this idea of forgiveness and trusting God can be. The accused gunman made his first appearance in court today. Good evening, I'm Erica Sargent. I'm Rick Fulbaum. Family members of the victims got to address him directly and one by one, they offered him their forgiveness and prayers. It was a hopeful end to a horrible week. CBS4's Marley Hall reports from Charleston. People in Charleston gathered to remember the victims shot to death as they held a prayer meeting inside the historic Emmanuel AME Church Wednesday night. We all have one thing in common. Our hearts are broken. 21-year-old shooting suspect Dylan Roof was officially charged with nine counts of murder during a bail hearing Friday, and victims' families were allowed to speak. The sister of 49-year-old Reverend DePayne Doctor spoke for her family. We are the family that love built. We have no room for hate, so we have to forgive. I pray God on your soul, and I also thank God 
that I won't be around when your judgment day comes with him. One of the five children of 70-year-old Ethel Lance also spoke. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. Police documents show the victims were shot. I just find that powerful. I mean, you can go and watch some more YouTube videos of it if you want, but I just, the ability of the family in the midst of that to say, I forgive you. And I know it shows some power of forgiveness, but I actually show, to me, it shows more the power of trusting God. You can still tell it's raw in them. It, it, they're struggling with it, but they're going, we have to forgive because we believe God is trustworthy. We believe God is the one that forgave us first, so we must forgive. Some of you may be asking in the room, why do we need to forgive? Why is this so important? I would say this. It's because it's the best way for you to know how good God is. You'll never be able to hold that all by yourself. That hurt that's in there, you cannot hold it by yourself. And God's saying, trust me in this walk out forgiveness, you will find how trustworthy I can be.